The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's been an attorney mediator for 26 years, and during that time, she's resolved thousands of disputes as a neutral conflict healer. She's a member of the Orange County Superior Court Mediation Panel, and she's been a law professor of negotiations and mediation, and presently teaches negotiations right here at UCI. She's the author of Negotiations Breakthroughs and co-author of Stepping Stones to Success and several other books. To listen to previous interviews, see upcoming guests, download podcasts, and learn more, visit www.conflicthealing.com. So Mari, what's your show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about a better life, and couldn't we all use a better life? We have a fabulous speaker with us today. Let me tell you a little bit about, he's actually a professional speaker and an author, and I'm going to tell you all about him. I'm going to tell you about Sean Anderson. He's a best-selling author, national speaker, and corporate trainer who's written six books that have sold 70,000 copies. His latest is A Better Life, an inspiring story about starting over. He's the founder of the nonprofit Extra Mile America Foundation, whose mission is to empower individuals, organizations, and cities to go that extra mile. And I have this book in front of me, and I, I should let you know about this. There's been so many nice testimonials, but this one is really nice. People like Sean Anderson show us that, we, that when we push beyond what we think our limitations may be, we can inspire others to do the same. And that's U.S. Representative Lynn Wolseley from California. So without further ado, thank you so much, Sean, for joining us today. Absolutely my privilege, Mari. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Okay, so tell us about why you wrote this book, A Better Life, an inspiring story about starting over. Well, I, I think it's pretty safe to say we've all been there. We've all perhaps lost a job, had a broken relationship. Maybe we've had that moment in our life when we stared at a dwindling bank account Maybe, maybe there was a failed career aspiration that we didn't get, or maybe somebody close to us died. Maybe we're going through our own health issues. But you know what? We all know that moment in life when life just punches us in the gut, and we fall down, and we just go, gosh, I don't know. I don't know if I can get up again. And not only that, that once we do find the strength to get up, there's that thought that goes into our head, I don't know how fast I want to move forward again. So the book, A Better Life, an inspiring story about starting over, is for all of us who have been punched by life, but we still passionately crave to live that life that we love. You know, Sean, I really enjoyed the book, and it, it, it's, um, I, I don't know if I can give away too much, but, you know, it, you're right. You know, this, this poor guy loses his job, you know, and his whole fa life falls apart before him. And, you know, I'm, as a, as a mediator, I deal with people who lose their job, who lose their, you know, their life through divorce or something like that, some, def you know, terrible conflict in their life. And 
they get to the lowest point ever. And that's when some people find God. And, and so I thought that was great that you actually had these conversations with God in a different way than the book conversations with God. It was, it was really quite cute. Is that, has that happened to you? Well, you know, it's absolutely interesting to see your interpretation of that, because I've left it very open-minded. When the main character, Jay Garfield, he loses his job, and he has that moment of self-evaluation that says, man, what am I going to do? My life hasn't gone where I want. My life is really failing. And it's that moment of aloneness, that desperate feeling where it doesn't matter if someone's positive word is coming your direction. You're alone in your thoughts and your feelings. And, and who is that person at that time or that voice that speaks to us? I think we've all had it, Mari. I mean, every single one of us who have lived, I mean, isn't that what being a human being is about? It's about thinking and feeling, and sometimes those thoughts, they're not always super positive, and we just wonder, man, what am I going to do? What's the next step? Where do I go? And so that's what this book does. It takes us through this character, who Jay Garfield, who meets this interesting teacher, God, this voice, whoever you might want to think it is, and it, he leads him through 21 powerful, life-changing lessons that Jay Garfield applies to a life and, 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 and completely changes his own. Yes. And isn't that true? You know, when you go through the worst things in your life, a death, um, a, a losing your job or losing something very important to you, your spouse, your, your relationship, you go into that dark night of the soul and your heart is broken open. And when your heart is broken open, that's when other things can come in, when it's re- it can flood in, whether it's a spirituality or whether it is a, a, a connection with God or whatever you want to call it. That's when you really are open is when you realize that your ego can't get you where you want to go. You, you know, it can only go so far and there is more to us than our ego. And when we put our ego with our job, like this guy Jay did, or when you put your ego with your spouse or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your career or whatever, that isn't enough. It has to be beyond, wouldn't you say? You know, I'm with you, Mari, on that. Life will give us what I call our moments. So those moments when, you know, we do get punched in the gut and we've, we've, We've got to decide what we're going to do coming out of that. I want to tell you about a woman I met in Salt Lake City a few years ago. Her name was Lisa Osmond. Lisa comes home one day, and her son Adam, who's a high school student, says, Mom, I saw the greatest program in school today about organ donation, and I want you to know that if something happens to me, I want you to donate my organs. Now, no mom wants to hear that. No mom who's the mother of a high school student wants to hear that. But she says, Adam, you know, you're going to live a long life. Don't worry, but if that's, rest assured that if that, that happens, that's what I'll do. Two weeks later, Mari, two weeks later, Lisa is in the hospital. She is holding her son, Adam, for the very last time. He's mm. been declared brain dead. Mm. I remember she says, I held my baby so close to me, and I breathed in the scent of his skin, touched his hair, and just remembered, you know, wow, this is it. Doctor walks in, says, Lisa, by chance, is Adam an organ donor. She remembers that conversation two weeks ago. She said, he is, take my baby. But this was Lisa's moment, not only to give up her son, but it was her moment to, to, to see what happens to her after this. She just didn't decide just to go into a cave and disappear. 
after that, she became the leading spokesperson for an organization called Yes Utah, where she traveled around the state of Utah visiting every school and organization, and she personally signed up thousands of people to be organ donors. That was her moment. When we have our moment, what are we going to do? Yes, yes. You know, I've interviewed on this show Azim Kamisa, and Azim lost his son, to who was murdered when he was 18 years old. And from that, from that heart being broken open, like we were talking about with this poor lady and with, you know, with Azim, is that he ended up, because it was a gang killing that, you know, this kid had to kill his son just to get into the gang in San Diego, that what he did from that, he said that there were victims at both ends of the gun, and he has been... He started a foundation with the grandfather of the gen- of the young man who killed his son, and it is in his son's name, and they go around and they help kids to not be in gangs, and he's doing everything he can to get the man who killed his son out of jail so that he can, he can help them, and he has done forgiveness. So, you know, it's amazing when we go through these terrible dark nights where our whole life is just transformed in a nanosecond. We have a choice, right? We can be a victim or we can change the li- our lives for good. And that's obviously what you're trying to do. And, uh, and I honor you for that. I, I notice your mission is to empower a million people to lead a more positive and purposeful existence. Tell us how, how that came into being for you. Well, we get one life. That's well, it. maybe. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. In this body. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but, but, there, but, there, but there's no do-overs. And, and I want to remind people that every single day. I mean, this is it. You know, there's, this is not a preview of what's coming. This is your life. Now, when you start thinking about what you, want you, what you want your life to be, are you living that? Are you, do you have the relationship you want? Are you, are you, do you have the career you want? Do you have the passions you want? Do you chase the purpose that you want? Because if you're not doing those things, why aren't you? You don't get another chance, at least here. So, you know, I want to remind people of that. It's a precious gift that's been given to us, and, you know, what are you doing with your life? Are you happy? Are you satisfied? Are you making a difference? Are you leaving footprints in concrete that can, that can be seen later? What are you doing with your life? I ask myself that question every single day. It's what gives my, my, my life purpose, and I think that it's, uh, it, it's helped me affect uh, change uh, in, in a number of different ways. Okay, so but where did all this come from? Why don't we talk a little bit about the Extra Mile America Tour? Is, you know, where did this motivation, where did this, this spark in you start from? Well, the Extra Mile America Tour was in 2009, and it was about eight months in planning, and it was that time when the media was bombarding us with so much negative news. I mean, people around me were losing jobs, and businesses were closing, even banks were closing here in California. And, and, and a lot of people started looking at the government and saying, what are you going to do to make my life better? People were looking at their boss, what are you going to do to help me keep my job and, 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 and to make more money? And they forgot the general premise in life, that if you really want to create positive change in your own world, then you need to look at the person in the mirror. And so as a, as, as a reminder of that, I created this tour called the Extra Mile America Tour, where I took my non-bicycling riding 47-year-old body, and I pedaled 4,000 miles across the country. Cool in a forest, gump, go the extra mile sort of way, but the real power of the tour was I created events, go the extra mile events in 21 cities, 
where I had the privilege of interviewing over 200 people who we had identified as having gone the extra mile and either, either overcoming defeat and tragedy and loss or in chasing a passionate dream. At the end of my ride, I gave away $10,000 of my own money to the stories most inspiring to me, and I wrote a book called Extra Mile America, Stories of Inspiration, Possibility, and Purpose. Now, Mari, the tour was so successful, and I felt that Go the Extra Mile message was so significant, and it just it radiated with people that I created a, a nonprofit called Extra Mile America. And a part of that, I created this unique day called Extra Mile Day. It's a day just to remind each of us that we each have the capacity to create positive change in our lives, our families' lives, our organizations' lives, and our communities' lives when we go the extra mile. On November 1 of this year, there will be 300 cities across the United States, 300 mayors who will make that declaration, and they will do something to recognize those in their community that are going the extra mile in volunteerism and service. Mm, I love it. So how did you find those 200 inspiring people to, to interview? Well, when I planned the Extra Mile America Tour, it certainly wasn't a solo effort. I had a staff of, at any time of 8 to 12 different people that were working with me on that. And what we did was we just did a ton of research. I mean, we, we scoured the Internet and we looked at media stories and we contacted organizations in those communities of people that were doing great things that might not have been recognized before. And we put together this list of over 200 where I had the privilege after riding my bike into that town, we set up an event, and I had the privilege of sitting down and listening to those stories. One of them was Lisa Osmond's story. Yeah, yeah. But what is it that got you into wanting to do that? What were you doing in your life before you started all of this wonderful stuff? You know, I've been an entrepreneur ever since the age of eight. Uh, <laughs> my, very, <laughs> my very first business, I, I was selling night crawlers, those giant worms to fishermen. I would, I would pick them out of the ground after flooding my parents' backyard in the nighttime. I'd, I'd put them in a big barrel with peat moss, and I'd run a little ad in the newspaper on weekends, and the fishermen early morning would come by, and I'd be sitting out there in a lawn chair super early in Reno, Nevada, selling them worms by the dozen. And I learned right then a general principle that if you, if you put effort into your life, results or rewards came. The night crawlers turned into cash, which turned into baseball cards, and that was a pretty good lesson for a young kid to learn. Right, right. <laughs> but was there something that really hit you that made you want to do this kind of a thing? I mean, one, you know, there's lots of entrepreneurs that are very much into money, but not into really helping people. And, and I see a difference with you. So what is that difference? Where did that come from? First off, I want to say thank you so much for really recognizing that, because that is a very true statement. You know, when I die, I'm not going to be remembered by how much money I had in the bank. I hopefully will be remembered by how many people whose lives I potentially touched. Yes. I, I, it goes back to the general principle of, of when you get knocked down in life, sometimes it can be really lonely. And if you don't have a core group around you of people, of close friends, of family that can pick you up and say, come on, Mari, here's a helping hand, get back up, man, you can feel very alone in life. So I just decided I was going to be the cheerleader. I was going to be the encourager. I was going to be the giver of hope to, so that people could have more power in their future by saying, come on, Mari, you can do it. Come on, you can do it. It's in you. Let's just sit down. Let's create this plan. Let's go ahead and take some action and let's watch life change because I believe that the human spirit wants us to be excellent. And I believe that when we have people around us that encourage our excellence, 
we got a far better shot of making it. Yeah, but you know, I'm just wondering. You know, I mean, I've I've met so many people that had specific things that that really changed their life, that made them recognize of, of our oneness. You talk about you know being alone when you're feeling really alone when you're going through some terrible time in your life. And then you get to the point where you recognize that we're not really separate. We all are there to support each other. That's what this is all about. But I mean, I think about someone like Tony Robbins. You know, I, years ago, 15 years ago, I walked a, across 40 feet of hot coal with him. I, I jumped to my future climbing seven steps, seven stories high. But, you know, he had a story, you know, I remember that he told us in the very beginning about how his story that, you know, they didn't have food and they had to beg for food. And then he, you know, decided to help other people to give baskets out and kind of where he came from. I'm just wondering, you know, I know even in my own life, things that changed me that that I didn't want to litigate, for example, when I went from being an attorney litigator to an attorney healer, you know, a, me- a mediator, someone who heals conflict, I had certain things in my life that changed it. So I guess I'm asking you, like, was there something that you just had this aha moment where it was like, wow, it's almost like Jay in your in your book had this, you know, devastation and then this uh, connection with spirit or his higher power or his conscience or whatever you want to call it. What was it? You know, I just wondered what that is, Sean. I graduated from the University of California, Berkeley, and like a lot of us at that time, we thought, man, I'm going to get a great job. I'm going to make so much money, and this is going to be so awesome. Well, it didn't work out like that. My first job after graduating from Berkeley was uh, a $4.25 an hour job working graveyard shift Mm. at a 7-Eleven convenience store. Now, I don't know if you've ever worked graveyard shift anywhere, but from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m., excuse me, 11 p.m. to 7 a.m., not a lot of customers come in. So at that time, I wasn't getting any good jobs. I lived in a cockroach at infested apartment. I, I could eat top ramen noodles and chicken hot dogs and 39-cent loaf of bread. That was what I survived on. And I started just going, wow, what happened? Where did the Berkeley guy go that's not working and getting turned down? Right. And so I started just reading every positive, motivational book I could and about people who were successful and what principles were they following in their life that really helped them get to where they wanted. And I said, what's the difference between those people and me? And I came up with the answer. It's only my thinking. Mm. So at that time, I I created my own success system to follow because accountability is important. Wherever you're going to go in life, you need to hold yourself accountable so you don't let life derail you. So I created this accountability system called SOAR, S-O-A-R. First, I had to be able to see the dream, the S, seeing the dream, knowing exactly what I wanted. The O stood for organizing my dream into a specific step-by-step plan. What was number one, number five, number 10, number 15 that I needed to accomplish to get to the S? The A was for action, taking action on that plan every single day. Not going home and watching Vanna White turn letters on Wheel of Fortune, but really taking action. And the R stood for rejecting failure, rejecting my own stinking thinking, rejecting people that said, Sean, you can't do your own business. Sean, you're too young. Sean, you don't have enough money. Rejecting those people and just following sore. So I kept on doing that, and, and that was the moment where I had that, that, that moment that said, I don't want to live the life I'm leaving now. I want to change my life. I took action, and I did it. Yeah. The epiphany of it. And I, and I love in the, the end of your book, you have um, the lessons, you know, the, the, the 
all the 21 lessons like awaken your giant, you know, to dream again. And then lesson two, just imagine and lesson three, block out naysayers. I mean, this kind of follows what your sore is. And and I love the end is see the bigger picture, you know, walk with honor, character and integrity, you know. As, as old as I am now, and I've gotten, you know, I, I still feel like a kid inside and a teenager inside, but I don't want to tell you how old I am, but, you know, <laughs> but but I'm old enough to carry an AARP card and all that stuff. But, you know, I mean, to me, when I think now about what's important to me in life, and, and you know, I went to the University of Wisconsin in Madison, in those years, it was like, you know, the Berkeley of the Midwest, and it was really radical. It was during you know, Vietnam, so I'm telling my age anyway. But, um, you know, to me, I was idealistic then. But right now, I think as I look at what's important to me in the world, it's it's kind of like where you are. It's like, hey, what what is my little contribution, my little person? What is my contribution to the world? What am I going to feel good about? And I think when you get to that point, it's it's your higher self that matters. And I think that's what I enjoyed about your book is it was getting to that to that higher self, to what's really important in life. And, you know, when we talk about the show is all about conflict resolution. Well, how about the inner conflict that we have to fight ourselves? Like you talk about, you know, fighting yourself not to have those negative thoughts, right? That's that's absolutely right. You know, and, and one of the things that I focus on every day, well, there's three things that I focus on every day of my own life, and it's people, it's purpose, and it's health. And because if I don't have good health, how much am I going to be able to give to people, and how much am I going to be able to follow my own purpose? So, you know, I think that when we really take responsibility of our life, take responsibility for our direction, step past just being self-aware. See, there's a difference between being just self-aware and being self-directed. You can go to a therapist's office and they'll make you just as self-aware about yourself as you want to, but what are you going to do from that? That's self-direction. And so when you hold yourself accountable to that and you take action and say, you know, it's a privilege to live my life, what do I want to do with it? Then you create change, not only in yourself, but you create change in your organization. You create change with your business. You create change with your family members. You create change in your community because you want to give back. You want to do something for other people. The more that you grow, the more you want to give. And I just encourage people to, to really find the, that, that cause, that event, that, that, that person that they want to give their life to, and just, just give to that person. Open doors, create opportunities, support, clap, cheer, but be that battery charger, that battery charger of the human spirit. Be that for some cause or some person in your world. You know what I loved? There was a, a sentence in here that I really loved, and I can't remember which chapter it is, but, um, I, oh, Lesson 21. And, and it says, um, joy is found in loving your occupation so much that you would do it without compensation. And I think that is such a great sentence. You know, for me, I just... Um, I do a lot of mediation for free, so I get it. But I mean, if you if you do love what you do and do what you love, then obviously that is giving back to people. That is giving and sharing and and sharing your gifts and sharing your talents. So that's a you know it's it's a wonderful thing to do, and not many people are doing that now. They're they're not you know. There's a lot of people who are out of work. There's a lot of people who are laid off. A lot of people who are really um, you know they don't have that sore that you're talking about. 
I wanted to ask you this, though. I, I find that it's very easy for me to be accountable to my clients and to be accountable to friends. And somehow it's not as easy to be accountable to myself. How do you do that? It's a great question. Uh, there's, there's two things that I really do, and one's in the morning and one's in the evening. The evening is, is really journaling my life. I think that the life that's worth living is the life that's worth recording. And the more that we really journal and write about our experiences, the more we become in touch with the realization that we can create things good and bad in our life. But it starts with the morning. It starts with when you, I put my feet on the floor after getting up, and a lot of people start saying, oh, man, what do I have to do today? Oh, gosh, I've got to take the kids here, and I've got to do this, and this project's hanging on, and how am I going to get the money to pay the bill? Instead of letting my brain get dominated by those what-do-I-have-to-do questions a day that could potentially create negative momentum for me, I create positive momentum from the very beginning. I ask myself, three questions from the very beginning every single day. Question number one, what am I excited about doing today? Come on, Sean, find that one thing today that excites you that you're just looking forward to because that changes my emotion right from the beginning. Question number two, who can I serve or empower today? Who's that one person right now or that group that I just want to really do something great for? And question number three that I ask myself immediately in the morning, What am I grateful for? Because then instead of thinking about everything that I don't have that I want, I start thinking about the things that I do have. And I know, Mari, you've heard the, you know, having an attitude of gratitude is a great thing. I'll tell you what, when you start planning that in your spirit at the very beginning, it lives throughout every single day. Holding myself accountable to those three questions changes my mindset from the beginning. Holding myself accountable to recording my life in the evening holds holds me throughout the whole day, holds my holds my you know, feet to the ground and, and really helps me choose the direction I want to go in my life. Wow. It's great to be that disciplined. I, you know, I, I was thinking about when you were talking about the attitude of gratitude, and I have friends, and I try and do this myself, is every night, my husband and I, before we go to sleep, we try and tell each other what we're grateful for. It, it might even be grateful that the, you know, that the dog was good today, you know what I mean? <laughs> or we're grateful that it was sunshine, or we're grateful that we had, you know, we have our beautiful home, or whatever it is we're grateful for. So that's really true. I think the other thing that I know that I'm going to be start doing, and for those of you who don't have the discipline that Sean does, I mean, it's very inspiring, Sean. The the one thing, I, I don't know if you've ever done this, but um, I'm going to be with a group that we have, like a mastermind group, to hold each other accountable because all of us are such givers that we all found out that we were not, not giving to ourselves. So at least if we have a mastermind group that we have to be accountable to, we have to give to them, and so maybe in that way we can give back to ourselves. I don't know what you think about that, but that's well, what Well, I think that's a beautiful idea, and I remember the, when I first read Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich many, many years ago, he was one of the first advocates of the power of a mastermind group. And certainly when we hang around people of, the light, of a like mindset, either good or bad, that's the direction we're going to go. So why not surround yourself with people whom you respect, who are doing great things, and not only not only help encourage them, but just that energy is going to have such an impact on you and move. I encourage everybody to get a, to get into a, some sort of mastermind group. I think that is unbelievably a fantastic idea. And and you know who's ever in your mastermind group, they're going to benefit a great deal. I mean, look at all that you've done. I mean, not only did you write Stepping Stones to Success. But you've always shown this positive spirit. I mean, when I looked at your website, 
I saw that you had a Chinese symbol for conflict. And right there, that, you know, that really told me a lot about you because there was two directions that Chinese symbol. It had something like conflict and it had opportunity. Right. And danger so, or opportunity. Danger and opportunity. That's right. And, and those two things, I mean, you, you could tell that you have that opportunity. No matter, I mean, that, that mindset, no matter what happens to you in life, you're always looking for the positive. You're always trying to see the, 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 the bright light. And when people start to have you know, that kind of attitude, that's when life starts to change. Instead of a woe is me, it's like, okay, okay, this, this has happened. Let's deal with this. Let's move on. How can we create a winning situation here? Come on, this is the cards I can tell. <laughs> what are we going to do with it? That's exactly right. Well, we are out of time, and you know what? You just made my day. You just made my day. Thank you so much, Sean. I just really appreciate it. So just give your website, and we got to go. Okay, SeanAnderson.com. If you want to find an encouraging, fantastic book, if you want to learn more about Extra Mile America, go to ExtraMileAmerica.org or like us on Facebook at Extra Mile America. Thank you, Mari. Okay, Sean, I hope we get to meet real soon. You're terrific. Thanks so much. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank, host of Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. Join us every Monday morning at 8.30 right here on KUCI and visit our website at conflicthealing.com and let us know what concerns you about conflict in your life and we're happy to help you. Have a wonderful day. Expressing this program do not reflect those of key.